U.S. Transportation Command's first attempt to reform the military moving system got derailed by a successful bid protest. Now it's reawarded the global household goods contract to one of the companies that lost the first time around. We're not talking chump change here. The initial award is worth an estimated $6.2 billion over the next three years and could be worth up to $20 billion if DOD renews options for the full nine years. The winning firm this time is called HomeSafe Alliance. It's a new joint venture owned by KBR and Tier 1 Relocation. Al Thompson is HomeSafe's CEO and a former director of the Defense Logistics Agency. He spoke with Federal News Network's Jared Serbu about how the contract and the reforms will all work. I think the way I want to start our conversation is to ask you, from your point of view and from HomeSafe's point of view, to diagnose the problem a little bit. People, I think, generally know that the system as it exists now doesn't work very well. But what are some of the root causes from that, as far as your company can tell? Really, the question here is, what's wrong and what are you going to fix? Yes, no, absolutely. And you're right. And it's not to, you know, be critical of of anyone or any organization that is currently managing uh, or delivering the household goods moves for the members of the armed forces and and Department of Defense civilians that are on funded transfer orders. Uh, But it has several uh, areas where our solution uh, is going to improve the future. And, And the first is we're going to deliver a very modern, uh, cutting-edge technology solution that will provide, uh, it will be a much more customer-focused solution with constant communication with the military service member, the DOD civilian, the customer, and at the same time, will also provide a capability to the more than 2,500 uh, movers, many of which are small business, and we have a big focus on on trying to uh, maximize the participation of small business. But because they are small businesses, they are not able to invest in uh, an information technology solution that helps them most efficiently and effectively manage their business, and we're going to provide that. Uh, And also, by virtue of having a single global integrator with this cutting-edge technology, um, we will have an organization that has the entire global picture on move requirements and therefore be able to work with our large number of industry partners uh, to better plan their workload. And that will be, you know, a big help with increasing peak season capacity. And that's another big dissatisfier where uh, in the summer months, you know, roughly May through August, Uh, the majority of military moves occur. And the industry struggles to keep up with that demand because in the rest of the year, the demand signal is much lower. And so we've come up with a number of techniques to help boost peak season capacity while, you know, essentially we're helping uh, to allow the, the many local movers to be fully successful outside the peak season. And You know, an underlying principle is we are incentivizing quality. So the higher quality movers will get more workload. And we believe by working closely with those that are not at kind of the desired quality level to improve their quality, that the the moving experience for our customers is going to be dramatically better. 
And that global view that you talked about, uh, to me, that seems like the biggest change here. And that's not necessarily a home safe specific innovation. That's really what the GHC contract was supposed to do. Because as I understand it in the current system, there's nothing even approximating a global view. It's very localized. Nobody has any real idea how much capacity is in the system at any one time because they're just contracting move by move. Is that a fair characterization of how things work now? Yes, I, I think so. I mean, obviously, uh, you know, there's a lot more to, you know, the current state, but I do, I do believe you've captured it accurately. And I think that having this global system integrator, you know, with uh, visibility of the entire demand, the requirement is, is a key part of this dramatic improvement. And I don't know how much you can talk about this with a potential protest still pending here, but but the relationships between HomeSafe and the actual movers on the ground, those small companies that you talked about, is that more or less direct where you, you contract or subcontract with them directly, or is are there van lines or other middlemen in between? Well, first of all, I'd like to convey that we need the entire moving industry to support us, and that is our plan. And so it will be a combination where in some cases we're going direct, some cases we're working with uh, van lines and we have uh, developed, well-developed relationships with them. So it'll be a combination. And, you know, I think one of the messages I'd like to convey to industry is, you know, there's concern about, well, you know, this is going to be harmful to my business. And actually it's going to be good for everybody because you're going to have Uh, I believe, more business if you're a high-quality mover, and we're providing, you know, an information technology enabler, uh, particularly if you're a small business, to run it more efficiently and effectively. So so I think there are many attributes to uh, what we're going to deliver that is going to be great for the moving industry. Um, that incentivizing quality piece seems pretty important to me. Can, can you talk about ex- exactly how you plan to measure and benchmark quality mover by mover and, and what those incentives look like? Yes. And uh, again, I, I you know, have to uh, avoid getting into too much detail, but essentially we will be um, managing a what we call carrier quality index, which has several different components you know, that will be um, essentially a quality of performance measure for all of our movers. And the higher your evaluated score, the more workload you will get. And then we're going to couple with that for those that aren't meeting our standards, uh, a very um, uh, robust outreach effort to assist them getting up to our standards. And so Again, we believe this is going to, you know, over time, dramatically improve the moving experience. And I assume that's really almost entirely survey-based, just asking individual military movers how their experience was, or do you have other ways to measure? Unfortunately, I can't describe it in detail at this point in time, but um, it certainly has a customer satisfaction element. It also has things like uh, timeliness and and a few other uh, factors. So. Uh, it's not purely a survey. And what does the customer-facing piece of all this look like? I mean, what's my? How is my actual experience changing as a military mover? I mean, do I have a home safe app where I can where I can do various things? Because there's not a lot of communication between military movers and moving companies as it stands now. 
Yes, once again, you're exactly right. It's uh, app-based on the customer side, uh, and they can use uh, a number of different um, devices, whatever works for them, or if they'd prefer a more manual experience, we can do it that way. But for those that are comfortable uh, using an app, it means that from essentially the beginning of the process through the very end, they're going to have a very modern, you know, cutting edge app-based ability to communicate with HomeSafe. And so that uh, begins with the initial survey of, you know, what needs to be moved to the actual execution of the, the packing and loading to uh, near real-time updates on location of their uh, household goods and arranging, you know, the delivery on ultimately. And in the rare cases where there's any damage done, uh, an, you know, a, an app-based online claim process that is going to rapidly or very much speed up the claims process. So, and again, uh, much increased communication uh, between the uh, between HomeSafe and our uh, customers. Al Thompson, CEO of HomeSafe Alliance, speaking with Federal News Network's Jared Serbu. To hear their entire interview, check out the latest edition of On DoD at federalnewsnetwork.com slash on DoD. Hello, and welcome to the Lessons in Leadership podcast. I am your host, Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA. Today, I'm thrilled to be joined by Vice Admiral Cutler Dawson. Cutler has had an incredible career serving our country for 35 years in the Navy, where he attained the rank of Vice Admiral. During his service, he had numerous assignments afloat and ashore, including Commander, Second Fleet, Striking Fleet Atlantic, and in Washington at the Pentagon and on Capitol Hill, where he was the Navy's Chief of Legislative Affairs. Immediately following his retirement from active duty in 2004, he became the President and CEO of Navy Federal Credit Union, the world's largest credit union where he served for 14 years. Under his leadership, Navy Federal grew from 2 million to 8 million members. Phenomenal. Cutler, welcome and thanks for joining me. Thank you, Shane. You've had a fascinating career across both military and the private sector. Can you tell us a little bit more about your background and your professional journey? Well, I started out at the Naval Academy where I graduated in 1970. And then, as you mentioned, spent 35 years in the Navy. Um, with uh, six actual actual uh, afloat commands. Uh, the first one was when I was 27 years old. Uh, I didn't know enough to be scared of anything, and it was uh, probably one of the highlights of my career. Um, and then after I retired after 35 years, I went to uh, work at Navy Federal Credit Union as the CEO, where I spent my next 14 years. Um, I'm I'm currently retired and enjoying life, and um, it's been a great run for me. How would you describe your leadership style, and how's that developed over the years? My style has been quite consistent. Um, I believe, and I've learned this in the Navy, that you have to go to the deck plates uh, to see what is going on. And you have to learn what your people do and how they do it so you can help them to be better at it and more efficient and more productive. Um, it's um, something that you need to do all the time. Um, I remember I used to tell folks that um, you don't want to retreat to your cabin. And what I mean by that is um, 
the longer you're in a position, the less you think you have to get out and about. But that should be the opposite. You should get out and about more because people change, situations change, and you've got to figure out a way to get to them and find out what they're doing and where, what you can do to help them. Uh, I, we'll talk a little bit more about your book, but I read it. Um, From Sea to the C-Suite, fantastic read. You talk about the deck plates in that um, as well. I would encourage everyone to get a copy of this and read some more detail about going to the deck plates. Cutler, who was the most impactful leader in your life and what quality did you admire about them? I had numerous while I was in the Navy, but uh, the quality that, that I enjoyed the most was the leaders that got to know me as an individual and that they cared about me. And I could tell that they cared about me. And they were not only my leaders, but they were my mentors. And um, I remember um, one particular one, Bill Schiffer, when I had my first assignment at the Pentagon, um, I would go in to see him with my problem of the day. And I knew that he had numerous problems of his own, but he would stop and he would focus on me and he would make me feel like I was the most important person in his world. Um, and I, I tried to do that um, throughout my career. But really, it's about caring for your people. Cutler, in reading your book, there was a quote you used that you used to inspire those people that work for you. And it really got my attention. And it was, it was you are the captain of your own ship. I wonder if you can talk a little bit about what that means and how it was useful to you and the leaders you were developing. Uh, Absolutely. Um, What I mean by captain of your own ship, when you are the captain of a ship, sometimes you're in the middle of the ocean and you don't have anybody to turn to, to make decisions. You don't have anybody to turn to ask, what should I do now? You have to be the captain of that ship. And I I translated that um, into, let's say, Navy Federal's organization, where I would tell branch managers that, I said, you are the captain of the ships of Navy Federal. You're the ones that are facing the, the members or customers, as others call them, every day. And you have to make decisions without a lot of guidance, in some cases, and without a lot of time. So be the captain of your own ship. Step up, uh, make decisions, uh, do what you think is right, and you never can go wrong. I think that is so important. And you have to give your people a little bit of latitude to take some risk as well, because there is risk for them in doing that and risk to your organization. That's right. And and I mentioned that I took command of my first ship uh, with five years in the Navy and I was 27 years old. Well, my boss had 32 years in the Navy and um, his, his guidance to me when I first met him was, Cutler, you do the right thing, and I'll back you up all the way. What a wonderful way to, to spend an assignment with, uh, with backup and, and guidance like that. What, what great, great advice. Uh, it's clear leadership is a topic you're passionate about. You wrote the book we mentioned before, um, From C to C-Suite. Can you tell us a little bit about that project? Yes. When I was at Navy Federal, I would tell C-Stories. Uh, as parables to get my point across. And um, folks would tell me, Cutler, we like your stories. It gives us a picture of what you're trying to tell us. Now, what else are they going to say? They work for me, but uh, uh, I took it as a compliment. And it was. And my wife encouraged me to write a book and I needed a co-author to help me. 
And I found a lady named Taylor Keelan, who was the perfect, perfect co-author. She turned in my stories into wonderful chapters um, that I'm very proud of. Where can listeners find a copy? Well, you can get it on Amazon. Uh, and you can also uh, get it on the Naval Institute website. Uh, and I might add that um, any proceeds from the book, Navy Federal uses uh, to give to charity. Fantastic. Cutler, thank you very much. Really enjoyed your time and your lessons and in leadership and sharing with us your life story. And, and uh, I've learned a lot both from talking to you today and reading your book. And thank you very much for your time. It's my pleasure. And I, I, I would like to add one thing if I could, Shane. Um, during my assignments in Washington, D.C., I gained the utmost respect for the civilians that work here every day. They're hardworking, they're dedicated, and they, they have my eternal gratitude. Uh, I got to come and go from the Pentagon. They stayed every day and worked in Washington when I got to go out and um, enjoy being at sea. Perfect. Thank you. Yeah, WEPA serves civilian federal employees, but your comment is well taken because the interaction between the two is is continuous, it's nonstop, and it's critical. So uh, the career civil servants, as well as career military, uh, our country would not be where it is today without them. I totally agree. And and I can tell you from the U.S. Navy standpoint, uh, we couldn't operate like we do without them being the backbone of what we do. Thank you very much for your time today, Cutler, and everyone listening to Lessons in Leadership podcast. We'll see you next time. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus, and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.